Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone to the Aid to Argentina podcast. I'm Felipe Segura. Henry Mazariegos. Christian Escherich. And I'm Joey Friddle. We'd like to welcome you guys for our first podcast. This podcast is about exploring ideas of poverty, about poverty in Argentina, and about different issues. Here at Aid to Argentina, we focus on nutrition, education, and formation as our three core tenants. But we will be exploring different topics. Uh, and so we like to thank you guys for listening and enjoy the ride. All right, so here we start. Our first topic this time around is going to be around the issue of poverty. What is it? What does it look like in Argentina? How does it compare to some of our US listeners and whatnot? But before we start, we'd like to give a quick rundown on who we are, where we come from, what are our backgrounds. So I'll begin with me. I'm Felipe Segura. Uh, I'm one of the original founders along here with Henry and Christian in starting Aid to Argentina. We started back in our sophomore year in high school, uh, back in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and yeah, so I my parents are actually from Argentina. My mom is from San Juan, which is actually the region that we started going to and our kind of initial connection came from relatives of mine that were down there and uh, we had the opportunity to stay in my grandma's house a lot of times so that like would help us kind of orient ourselves and, and get housing down in Argentina. Uh, we would go down on our trips every summer, uh, raise money from different types of jobs that we would do back here in the States. Uh, we're all from the Washington DC area and yeah it started out in one small community called Villa Navidad and we entered a bunch of different communities and hope to continue to enter into more communities. Uh, personally, I went to the University of Notre Dame after high school, but kept in touch with the guys and we kept going down to Argentina. I studied philosophy and English and uh, yeah, and now after graduating, I graduated in 2021, uh, I'm here, you know, studying to enter the cybersecurity field, but you know, just like the rest of the guys, we kind of have our own jobs, but continue to actively participate in uh, the charity that we started so long ago. So that's my story here to tell his side is Henry. Yeah, so I'm Henry Mazariegos. I'm currently a business major at the Catholic University of America right here in D.C. And yeah, I've known these guys for a while now. Um, went to school with them, high school, you know, we kind of hung around a lot and we decided to found this group and I feel like we've actually become a lot closer as friends not only through sticking together through college but as well having these trips to really you know work on these tough issues and it's like you know just kind of like bonding together over that and yeah how you doing my name is uh Christian Eschrick uh I recently graduated from Notre Dame with Felipe. I studied English and political science there and I'm an entrepreneur. And a lot of my focus in the entrepreneurial field is helping kids who who want to be artists when they grow up. And I've always had an interest in that. And I think that's where my interest in A to A developed as well was to give these kids not only educational help, but like we've talked about, nutritional help as well, and help help provide for them. 
So guys, I'm Joey Friddle, recent graduate of the St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia, a risk management and insurance major, and I'm going into the insurance field. But um, yeah, back in high school, I used to do some volunteering at the this group called the Youth Leadership Foundation. And so we'd, uh, it was a summer camp for um, inner city kids in DC, just at risk youth. But it was just much more than a summer camp. It wasn't just help, it was mentoring, teaching, all that good stuff. So when Felipe and the guys came to me with this opportunity, I immediately jumped on it. I was, I was ready and haven't looked back. That's awesome. Yeah, and just as uh, kind of an inside scoop, I knew Joey in third grade. I knew Henry in fourth grade, so we've been friends a long time. And then Christian came to our school in eighth, eighth grade, was yeah. it? Yeah, eighth grade. Yeah, so even though, and like as you guys can tell from, from our backgrounds, even though we all went to the same high school, same area, we all have you know different interests, different backgrounds, which I think makes our group and like what we're able to contribute down there so important. And not only do we have that kind of background and interests, but we also have different reasons for why we do it. Uh, personally for myself, being from an Argentine family, uh, it's a way for me to give back to the community and that love of that country. I used to go to Argentina school every Saturday, uh, kind of dragged there by my parents, you know, against my wishes. But, you know, I kind of appreciate it now later on. But that heritage and that love of that culture has always stayed with me. And so I think that that was a really important part um, in my drive to keep this thing going through college and whatnot. Um, you know, Henry over here, you know, his, his parents are from Guatemala as well, yeah. um, from Latin America. So he has that interest, you know, Joey was just talking about his experience with the inner city kids in yep. Washington, DC. Uh, and, you know, Christian has his own interest as well in art and fashion and, and how powerful that is in kind of solving a lot of issues around the world culturally and whatnot. So yeah, without further ado, let's, let's get right into the topics here. Um, so we wanted to start our first podcast on what is poverty. So let's get into it. Um, yeah. So what, what do you guys think of when you hear the word poverty, what like comes to mind when, you know, obviously you get those like cliche images or not really cliche, but like the classic images of like UNICEF, like, you know, like really skinny, starving children, like lack of water. Like what, what, what else do you guys think of? For me and um, poverty in South America specifically, growing up the Olympic Games, World Cup, I think was in Rio de Janeiro. And um, during the TV time, they'd pan out to these favelas, these shanty towns with made of shacks, probably a whole family, nuclear family living in there. But I think that gave me a really misconstrued image of poverty, just only thinking about the building and not the people living in the building. Mm. So yeah, that was that was my idea of poverty before 8A. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I think that's a good point of just like, not only like the material um, poverty, but yeah, like, especially what we encountered down there was kind of like the intellectual and also spiritual poverty that's really been like kind of fostering down there yeah christian yeah so um i think there are different images that pop up in people's heads personally for me different images pop up in my head when i think of poverty i think poverty in many ways has become some somewhat of like a stereotypical phenomenon uh, in the sense that growing up we would see 
typically on TV pictures of of Africa, and without and like Joey said, we'd see pictures of favelas in Brazil, but. Like I said, a main one was Africa, and when you saw Africa, you'd think of, of for example, obviously no money, um, lack of infrastructure, but also really a lot of starvation, and the point a point to where you don't even have the basic, where kids don't even have the basic necessities. Um, obviously, you don't have jobs, but even without a job, you can still, in these types of smaller communities, you can still live and survive. But so much of what we saw was people who were so thin and disheveled and starved to the point that they weren't staying alive. And it's so much different because you juxtapose that with poverty in America and you think of a completely different type of scenario. You know, you're not going to see anybody dying of starvation. Well, you, occasionally you do, but it's so much less common in the United States to see someone dying of starvation. Mm-hmm. And it's much more common to think of drug addiction. You know, in Africa, that's not as significant of a problem because communities are actually really strong. But in America, communities and, and oftentimes are not as strong. So you have drug addiction. Um, you have as well, you have lack of education, but then you also get um, gang-related issues and issues of, of of homes without fathers, single mothers raising their kids. And so there's two sides of the spectrum. There, well, there's several, several sides of the spectrum, but uh, I guess poverty, the thesis that we could come away with here is that it comes in several different forms. Yeah, Agreed. absolutely. Yeah, And I really like that point that you brought up about how the, def- the difference between poverty in different places, especially in terms of community and how that, helps or doesn't help poverty so like you know poverty here in the united states no community it seems that they're like on their own but in africa it's like your whole family or like a poor village and you're all in it together you know and so it's like very different i don't know if you guys want to like kind of elaborate on that because i think that was like a a really good point yeah I, i would say you know i remember i had done a mission trip with a group called the missionaries of the poor uh, they're a group of monks in Jamaica. If you haven't heard of them, I, I definitely look them up. They're they're awesome. Uh, it was pretty intense. You know, they'd wake you up at five a.m. to pray, uh, and you was that do... with uh, mustard seed? No, no, it wasn't mustard different. seed. Oh, yeah. it, this is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you, know, you wake up at five a.m. to pray. You pray like six, seven times the whole day. I mean, it's and there are these monks. You know, they make they're not priests. They make these ten hour ten not ten hours, ten years. 10 year vow uh, of you know life as a monk and then every 10 years you have the decision do you want to stay or do you want to leave and so you do that every 10 years and so what they had done is they were in the downtown Kingston uh, they kind of helped these communities like of disabled people um, so children women men that like literally couldn't take care of themselves and they didn't have a lot of resources um, so you really got to see kind of like what you think of right this Africa you know, type of poverty of, you know, and I don't want to give a bad rep to Africa, you know, there's other places too, where, you know, you have starving people. Uh, But, you know, you certainly got that sense of that type of poverty where like starvation could be a real thing. If these people were not in this shelter being taken care of by these monks that had 
way too many people to take care of for that small group of, or that small number of them then like yeah you could see them dying or whatever and these all these monks came from actually like places like india and places like that or um i think it was uganda in africa so yeah but i remember talking to one of them and you know they have a mission or an area the missionaries of the poor in north carolina because they have it all over the world and so i remember i asked them and one of the monks had served there in north carolina for 10 years and then came down to kingston so i asked them well, you know, that's crazy that you have a North Carolina. This is like, I imagine it's radically different. Like, what's the comparison, right? And so, you know, this monk tells me like, you know, here there's a lot more material poverty, but in America, it's incredible the amount of spiritual poverty that I see. And so, yeah, I think definitely when we talk about poverty, just like there are so many different types that you see, uh, just like, you know, for all those people who love like classical philosophy, right? Like if you actually break down what love is, right? How people used to look at it is like, there were three different terms for it. And so just like that, you know, it's such a big word and all encompassing. I think poverty kind of incorporates those different elements. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I was looking at a stat the other day, actually, uh, that was looking, that was talking about uh, suicide rates in different countries and if you look at Jamaica Jamaica is the I think you said the fifth lowest in the world wow. uh, at around two suicides per 100,000 people and the United States was like 13 or something so that's more than six times as high and so that's just very representative of what goes you know, the, the spiritual aspect that Felipe was talking about in, in the sense of if you have people around you, if you have a community around you that loves you, <laughs> like really does, like you said, love yeah. you, it's going to make a difference. And it's going to and, and and just because certain things aren't available to you and certain resources aren't present doesn't mean that quality of living is worse obviously you could say economic like economic economists will say okay quality of living is worse in countries like this but really there's no there's no economists aren't aren't oh let's be clear we're not talking about you know the um you know the beaches of jamaica here i mean right that's the you know the resorts right like when you look at downtown kingston i mean i was i was amazed right because when you think of jamaica you think of white beaches nice music, you know, good time with the family, but like downtown Kingston is a different place. Oh, I mean, dangerous. It's, it's dangerous as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, and, and like just to encapsulate that, the happiness that those people who had nothing incorporate, I mean, even those monks, right? Like obviously they had chose of their own volition to kind of make this decision to live a life of kind of extreme poverty um, and extreme discipline too, right? I mean, I was there for a week and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I mean, they're there for 10 years, you know, mm. plus. I mean, there's some that have been there 30, 30 years, right? So, yeah, I mean, the happiness that you got really teaches you something about what it means to be poor and, and kind of the traps that even, you know, mental poverty has, you know, over physical poverty in a certain sense. Yeah, yeah, and... In many ways, it's so 
it's so interesting because if you look at a country like the United States and the high rate of suicide and the opioid crisis and stuff like that, um, and you compare it with countries like Jamaica where it's just not as present, it's so interesting because you, you look at it and you go, okay, what's going on in the United States? Why is that happening? And uh, Dave Chappelle actually like kind of touched on this in one of his stand-up routines. And he was talking about with, you know, with people in the United States, they feel, you know, when they're when they're depressed or when they're addicted to drugs, they feel like it shouldn't be happening to them. And because of that, they get really down on themselves and they spiral down. Whereas, you know, people in Jamaica, these, these really poor people in Jamaica, they start out at the bottom and they and they don't see it's not, you know, you don't walk down the street. And you don't see a billionaire. In a, in a Lamborghini as often as you do in the United States. And in the United States, you're, you're, if you're poor, you're like, you know, what the heck? Like, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. Or even if you're not poor, if you're depressed or something, like, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. All these people around me have these cars, have these houses, have these things, and they conflate happiness with materiality. And I think that's such a big, big problem and, and such a distinction that you can discern between, between the U.S. and Jamaica is that they're not looking towards something. There's no, right? They're just looking inwards at the community, at the family, and they say, this this is our end. Yeah, yeah. well, you know what's crazy is, and I think, like, bringing this over to Argentina, and I think what we've seen is, you know, Argentina, when you think about poverty, right, in South America, you know, right now a lot of the discussions around Central America, right? You have the gangs in Honduras and Nicaragua and this and that, and a lot of the immigration kind of, people fleeing poor conditions, Haiti, Central America, are kind of flowing out of that area. You don't hear much about Argentina, you know? The most that you know about Argentina at times is good wine, tango. Messi. Messi, you know, and Pope Francis, you know? And some good meat, you know? But... And those Patagonia sweatshirts. And the... (laughs) You know, and American capitalism, you know? (laughs) Capitalizing on it, you know? So... um, But I think what's really interesting about Argentina is it used to be an incredible middle-class country that was extremely wealthy. I mean, you know, there are points in the 1930s, 1940s where, like, Argentines are compared with Americans in terms of, like, the level of wealth and kind of development that Argentina was experiencing. Um, And so I think that idea, though, is very present in people's minds down there, right? Like, there's a lot of people that you meet who are just barely holding on trying to like keep themselves in middle class and a lot of people becoming poor or like or you know entering a poor condition and so like you do have that idea of like oh I should be richer right now but now I'm poor in Argentina and you have a lot of that material poverty I mean I can remember a lot of times you know Via Grande Via Navidad these two different communities that we saw and and have helped out kind of seeing a lot of that you know more similar to, you know, material poverty than anything else that you see there. And so it is really sad. And, and, and I think you get a little bit of both out there, you know? Do you think that, you know, this is kind of like also tying your point back to like what Krishna was saying about like, you see other, like you're in the United States, as if you're a um, less fortunate person, you know, not financially well off and you see someone who like whatever is driving like a really nice car you know obviously very wealthy person you kind of like have that divide 
I think a lot of that is also brought in through social media where you see, especially like TikTok is like, like blowing this up like really quickly where you see the, all these like influencers and just like tons of people like living these crazy lives, uh, traveling all around the world, like showing off all like their different things they have and just kind of like fueling that very materialistic outlook on the world. Do you think that like, and obviously like more and more people all over the world are getting more access to the internet. They all have cell phones. They can all see these things. Do you think that like, cause it's, here in the United States, that's like a huge epidemic of like, especially with mental health people like thinking that they're, that their life just sucks because they're not super well off financially. And like, do you think that happens in Argentina with a lot of those people who are living in like, you know, the, the Valles out there and seeing how the people in the rest of the world, even just regular people here in the United States who like are way more privileged than they are. Well, yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot of that. I mean, I, I even texted some of the people that we've met in these communities, right? Cause you know, it's, it's a funny thing that I, I think it was you, Joey, that like highlighted one time we were in one of these poor communities via Navidad and uh, you kind of looked up and you noticed the direct TV satellites, right? Like you yep. have, essentially this like very terribly built house built off like very basic materials and then all of a sudden you know you're you have direct tv satellites there right like where did this come from and then you see some kids with smartphones right like where did that come from right you know mismanagement of money possibly right um and so i think that one of those like one of those things that's happening now is like technology is so cheap that people can afford it but the actual things that make their lives better and change everything like education actual you know nutrition living in a clean area um doesn't exist right like or isn't happening uh or isn't growing so yeah, I mean, there's definitely that trap that I think is you start to see more and more. Um, yeah, and you know, I don't know where that will take poverty in places like Argentina. How it will, you know, make it look compared to the U.S. in terms of that that kind of that spiritual poverty we were talking about. But it is scary that reality. Yeah, yeah like um, people having access to the internet, you'd think like, oh yeah, you literally have a connection to like the biggest database ever amassed of information that we have discovered up from the dawn of man until now you know all that we have like records of written down and stuff but like you would think that people would use that information to their advantage and try to get ahead in life because that's an incredibly powerful tool but just them just kind of being uneducated and just like not having their priorities straight maybe due to like how their family is structured or like you know in terms of like ambition and stuff like that and them just like not seizing that it's like really incredible you know yeah and like just to give the listener like an idea of like how strange it is how technology has entered this these areas where like and the other the really critical ones haven't when we were in via navidad this one community probably like i think there was like around 13 14 houses you know of like 10 people in each house which has like two three rooms and max right there yeah, was literally was someone in a horse-driven wagon, you know, and, and, and Christian here is laughing, like, 
who would just uh, ride around, you know, oh, selling like blaring, like, produce, blaring like on the megaphone. Right now, right now. Yeah, just like that, he was selling produce. You know, yeah. it was it was like you'd have the kids on the cell phone, so you're like, yeah, like it's 21st century. But then at the same time, you have like, I guess like the closest thing we have back home is like the Amish people. You know, like. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. well, yeah like, it's very it's rudimentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's really like the one. I think one of the coolest parts of going out there was like we were like you know in a valley. You have all the mountains all around, and there's just like flat, empty, nothing there except for like this village, and like it's really nothing there. And it's like these people is like all they have is just all themselves. you minimalists. If you ever want to move to San Juan, yeah, oh, yeah. San yeah, we got some cool pictures. <laughs> like playing soccer there was really cool. Um, but yeah, it's like, well, I remember one of the first things that like Felipe had noted really was like, these people actually don't really leave the community that much at all. They don't go into the city. They just stay here. You know, the dads obviously work construction job, you know, like minimum wage job, but it's seasonal there. too. These yeah, exactly. Jobs, right? yeah. 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 So like even the few times a year that are like, you know, maybe they work a couple days a week, like, but in a for the most part, like people really don't leave the community. And it's like really like when they see the priest or us or any other people go to the city or like, it's like, they're just like, Oh, what's going on? Cause they don't like really have contact with the people from like the San Juan center city, I guess type of things. And it's like, they kind of really are forgotten by everyone else who are just like 30 minutes away from them. Yeah. Know? And I think like when we talk about like, well, what's the effect? Why does that matter? I mean, being disconnected from certain parts of like a city makes you not understand certain important concepts that like are really important to like sustaining a society that like right someone who lives in Washington DC area doesn't really think about right so for example why would you keep your community clean there in these different communities via Navidad Bayou Grande all that we've seen Trash is littered everywhere. No one cleans up. Why? Well, because they haven't gone to the downtown city and seen how much nicer it is when you clean up the trash, how it smells so much better, right? You wouldn't know this. Uh, things like, I remember one time we, you know, we were with a 12 year old kid. He was kind of walking us to show us the local kind of swimming location. The swimming hole. The yep. swimming hole, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, he's got a little slingshot up to no good, whatever, you know, a little, little brat, but he goes and just takes a rock and just shoots it up and knocks out one of the, the lights, the street lights. I yeah, mean, there's only like a couple, so many in the yeah. town. I mean, and like, that's something that illuminates your yeah. like city or your town or your village and like allows people to work. Yeah. And like, were there any repercussions for that? Nope. Did people really like fret over it? No. Did the kid like there was just oh okay like let's keep going like yeah that's... Where, where's the next light that I'm gonna you yeah know, take I mean out? it's not yeah. functional right there's a certain sense of recklessness um, and not in the sense of like all the wheels going off the bus but just in the in the sense of if you do an action there's not gonna be any direct discipline and. Yeah, the kids down there—they're devious. They're—they're they're like they're the villains devious. of the village. Yeah, yeah, and there and there's and I think it's just very telling of, of, like like we said, there's nobody that we've encountered that are starving, 
to to death or anything, right? So it's 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 different than. In but that but sense there were athlete. things though, like like right one day we definitely were, malnutrition malnutrition yeah, right yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying like obesity but starving to I mean, death we saw kids though like for example just you know go out do a number two on the street like mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah. remember that? like I mean that's not good they just know? burn their trash on the side of the road like without thinking where they're burning what it might cause stuff like that yeah, no, I mean... It, yeah, no, there's... there Like and, I said... And it, a, we're in the desert, the so one fire could go astray and all the dry You see fire purple. all the yeah. time yeah. out there, yeah. too, which is crazy, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's... it's um, But it, it's just... And that's what we, we mean by lack of education. It's not just education in the traditional... The, the curricular sense of education, but extracurricular sense of education as well in the sense that kids just aren't being taught to not you know poop in the streets and but but seriously they're not taught that they're not taught to okay you shouldn't hit out a light yeah because they because what do they care it's fun for them there's no discipline yeah i mean it's Who, unstructured gonna, free time right? yeah it's it's, yeah. it's a very un it, it's in argentina what what i feel like we've we've observed a lot of is there's a lot of lack of structure and because of that, just a lot of, um, a lot of, I don't want to say crazy chaos, but just significant chaos. I'm trying to think of the word. It's chaotic. There's a chaotic yeah, yeah, element yeah. to it. And if you think of that, it's like the opposite is too much structure. And that's what you see in America. People working, trying to, but it's good in doses, but yeah, but just not all the time. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it definitely raises, like, an interesting, like, point, like, you know, I never thought much of it going to soccer practice and basketball practice and, like, all these different practices after school, keeping me busy, then doing homework, right, like, mm-hmm. because then I couldn't wander off, you know, and, and be up to no good, but, like, a lot I of mean, these kids kids, just, kids, will, kids are gonna be kids, you know, like, oh, yeah, and, like, kids being up to no good is not, like, it's unheard of, you know, but it's also, like, you know, that streetlight thing was very moving because it's not like it just not like that's very useful for them you know but also like people who like you know maybe like for like drive by for some reason and it's like night and like there's no lights like they're gonna be like what is this place you know like and yet that le- that, that leads to opportunities for like mugging and stuff yeah, absolutely and, and like yeah violence. and it's like so people in that town know like you know they're out there whatever and like they're forgotten and then, like, you know, kind of tying this to this this kind of, like, fame behind poverty. Because one time we went to Buenos Aires and we went to uh, Via 31, which is this very famous favela out, like, what is it? Oh, like, shanty town. Shanty town. Favela is a, it's a Brazilian term. Okay, it's a We're shanty town. Argentina here, you know? Via Miseria. Via, 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 via Miseria, yeah. In, what is, is it in, like, Buenos Aires Center, or is it like... Yeah, yeah, I mean, and just to give you guys, like, an idea of, like, the fame, notoriety, and, like, how strange a place it is, it's like, we were driving in, right, you know, you go through a toll road, the regular toll road that you would go to, like, the airport from the downtown, and then our driver takes a right, right, right off the toll road, and then all of a sudden, the map quest goes, stop, this place is dangerous. Do not enter. Yeah, like, like turn around. The map, like that, that would be if like your Apple Maps told you, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. do not enter here. 
like which is just unheard of in the United yeah, States. Yeah, I mean, like you would have never. Yeah, been, like the phone just started the... making noise and like a warning came up and like we were just in the car, you know, like chopping it up, talking about who knows what, but we like all just turned like simultaneously to the map just beeping and then you know we 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 know how to read Spanish and like we just saw like whoa like that's crazy that that's coming up on the map and like we asked a driver and he's like yeah yeah like this place is like people don't come here ever yeah. even like. You know, like this very like, like people want to come and help a lot of these people, but like there's also that danger aspect. You know, like very recently, seventeen people just got kidnapped in Haiti. Missionaries. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Oh, I know. That this word. gang, this uh, this like they're pretty notorious in Haiti of like kidnappings and stuff. And this uh, missionary group was down there, and seventeen of them got kidnapped. So it's like, yeah, like that that that's a very real that's a very like real reality you know of these places yeah no definitely the danger there like is a huge factor but that's what makes it even more vital right because mm -hmm. i mean it comes to show that like it's not just people asking around hey like can i get help i don't have education but i'm waiting for you guys to help it's like you have to make real connections with the community because there are people who don't want to help you right yeah. like we, we've definitely seen that in some of the communities that we've we've been in, right? Local politics, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't think we've met like straight up gangs that are, you know, you know, contemplating kidnapping us <laughs> that we know of, right? Yeah. But, uh, hope not. you know, I, we, we yeah. only hope, but hope they're not listening. Right but now. we've definitely we've definitely come up against local politics, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. different, you know, designated leaders trying to make their mark or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the things that you, you run into in these communities. So Poverty isn't like, right, and I think that a big idea that we're hitting upon, right, is there are different types of poverty, and not only are there different types of poverty, but there are also different solutions to these different types of poverty, right? Mm -hmm. And there's actually, no can, one can we go back real all? fast to like the politics and poverty yeah. point? Because I remember we had built this ba basketball court in um, Via Navidad. Um, we were very inspired by like, seeing the kids play soccer with us and like they didn't have anywhere to play we were playing on like a a uh, flat dirt patch you know rocky yeah very rocky and um so we were like oh like let's give them a place to uh play and so not, we, not only a place to play but a place to meet I mean, outside yeah, yeah. that like, you could set up yeah, absolutely benches, like you know you're gonna desks. put money towards something that has to be multi-purpose out there mm -hmm. you know and so we built this basketball court you know awesome the kids loved it they were playing on it whatever we thought awesome and so we left that year you know returned to the united states we had college we had to come back and then we get news we're like we you know we we, we keep in touch with the people with the people who were part of crosshair yeah we were, we were facing a lot of local local politicians were kind of yeah you know not like banning but you know there was a little bit of pull pushback control. a little bit like oh hey like how can we build a fence around this or whatnot? And so like we had to go in and say like, you know, you have to negotiate, you have to negotiate with the people in there and being like, look, like this is for the community, this is for the good. And you know, things got resolved, but it's things like if you don't have a permanent presence in those communities yeah. and know the right people, then like things like that could go completely upside down and like you can do all this work and it gets shut off, you know? Yeah. And so I think those are some of those like lessons that you learn. Yeah, and it was just crazy to see people from the municipality come in and kind of wanting to say 
when they when and when they couldn't use the court for whatever it may be when in the first place this after being neglected for so long this community had really become like a self-governing body and then like immediately as soon as they get something it's like boom it's like they want to get their hand in it somehow it, and what's crazy is yeah i mean there's sometimes you get it from like local community leaders sometimes from like people from the outside trying to make you know quick solutions spend 20 minutes at a place quick solutions and then you know get out of there but i thought one one thing that was really interesting was when we were working with Valle Grande, we were setting up after school tutoring programs. And I remember, you know, you have to get permissions to use the classrooms afterwards to tutor kids. Okay. What would you probably have to go through in the US, right? You probably have to go through a principal and that's it. In, Arge in San Juan, Argentina, you had to go to the province's teaching municipality, get their permission, then go down the line like six different levels of bureaucracy just to get this like allowance to use the classrooms not to use the gym just the classrooms mm. right and so it was this incredibly frustrating and long process that kind of you know makes it much more difficult to do your job and so you know there's a bit of a learning curve and, and there's different ways to skin the cat so to speak but you know you have you have to learn um and you know, as you get through it, you figure out ways to help and improve the community. And, and I think that we've definitely over the last seven years have, have really improved upon that. Okay, guys, I think we've really been focusing on some of the negatives coming out of this community. But obviously, there's tons of joy and other things like that. So now let's focus on the positives. I, for one, what Henry was touching upon earlier, what I see is they're playing in a rocky soccer patch yet there's smile on their faces. You go in places like America, they have this nice green grass. People might complain if there's like a little bit of water and it gets a bit muddy, but no, they're playing on this rocky dirt patch soccer, smiling on their faces. Um, whenever they get slide tackle, come up with scars, but it rubs, literally rub some dirt on it and get back out there. So that's yeah. the sense of toughness and just joy and not focus on material. Is. Yeah, and our like lunch breaks, we'd like you know hang around with the kids, you know, listen into music with them, and it was just like so much fun, and we really like were accepted like by them, and every year they remembered us, and they were always saying, "Oh, when you guys come back," like, and then when we come back, they were so so joyful that we were there, and you know, and a lot like we kind of saw like a lot of them like growing up you know some of them mm -hmm. were so small when we got down there and now they're like so much bigger and like you know that kind of really instills you to kind of come back and help them you know yeah i uh i had a little routine that i would do with some of the kids where i'd perform a song for them and i mean i can't sing and I can't perform and I can't dance, but I do you can say it anyway. That again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what I would do is I would do this. I would take out my phone and play the song through my phone, and I'd have like thirty kids just sitting down, not even sitting down. They'd be standing up, jumping around, watching me perform, like sing along with the song, and dance and go crazy and all this stuff, and they loved it. It was like. 
the coolest thing they had ever seen, and I feel like a rock star. I think they were laughing at you, not with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they just see they see me, and they like I was like, wow, like I feel like a rock star. Like these like thirty Argentinian kids can make me feel like a rock star because they're just so um, appreciative and and I don't want to say blessed is the right word they're just so appreciative and so um it just means so much to them like here in the united states like we can't even listen to the radio for more than no we don't even listen to the radio because we have aux cords we can listen to whatever song we want whereas they got me performing they got the bootleg version of uh jesus by um but but no actually you, you see how much how much they're grateful for everything and how they take very small things and they just absolutely love it. So it's beautiful. Yeah. And one of the other places that was really like touching, we went to uh, this place called Comunidad de Fuego, which was a uh, drug rehabilitation center. And after being there for about a week, you know, working around the place, you know, painting, just doing some small renovations to kind of like help. We didn't, we, we often, when we think about that, that trip, we don't even really like talk too much about like the renovations we talk about the time we spent with the people there playing soccer with them like having afternoon meals with them getting to know them and it was really i thought it was like we really made an impact there and they felt our presence coming down and i hope that we can go back there someday because that was really awesome yeah i mean for me it's what i really love about these communities that we work with is like the joy that they really bring I mean it's contagious what these people have like you know our, one of our first projects was cleaning up this chapel that was kind of the community center but the following year then we made um, kind of that concrete outdoor you know pad. pad that served as like a basketball court hockey roller skate hockey arena soccer, soccer right all these things and I remember as we paint right you have this little window through the chapel that like all the kids would jump up every day kind of looking through being like it's like wanting to see what we were doing and we're happy i mean and look we're just we're just here painting you know we're, we're painting and repairing the roof and whatever i mean it's not it's something crazy but like that's the joy that they bring and then when we went to valle grande this other big community right you know we hadn't even brought anything it was our first introductory meeting i remember we had gone to the rehabilitation center and then we wanted to meet this new community that we ended up working with later on. And we get there and the kids are jumping all over us. So happy. I mean, you know, I have a niece, you know, four or five years old, right? Like when she sees new people, she gets like very nervous and kind of like runs away, you know? Mm. But then you have these kids that are just like, Oh my God, outsiders, this and that, like we love it and like jumping up and really joyous the whole time. And so, you know, you can talk about all the negativity, all the structural challenges, but you know, the real future is the kids themselves. And I think we highlighted this earlier, kind of like our focus is, you know, nutrition, education, formation. I mean, these are all attributes that when you think about them are for kids, they're not really for adults. Um, and so that is kind of the main focus that we at A to A really like to focus on. It's allowing the kids to prosper and to have a better life or a different life than the ones that they grew up in. 
um, or that their parents have for that matter. And while we do try to help those parents, like these kids are awesome and we are here and trying to help them out, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure the parents appreciate like they, they're, they're much more rather or not rather, but they're, they're more appreciative of us helping their children get ahead than, you know, necessarily them. Like they, something like by really, by, um, helping their children get ahead they 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 kind of feel like they're getting ahead too you know yeah and I, and I think that that's kind of like the focus point that and the really deep point that i think we realize like one of the ways to really get a community on board is to focus on parents moms dads right mm-hmm. like the love that they have for a kid and their kids specifically and like they're the primary educators and yeah they're the primary educators and their desire for their kids that love that's kind of innate and it's always there right like really allows you to enter and be like for all the reasons for all the problems that we might bring for all the disruption that might happen from what's going on you might be okay with it but do you want your kids to go through the same thing and most of them almost all of them are like no, I want my kids to be better. I want my kids to to keep going off that, you know, that cycle of poverty to break it. And so I think that that's really the special part that we see down in Argentina. And I think that's what keeps bringing us back there and really motivates us at AIDS Argentina to to keep pushing in day by day, year by year, right? So, yeah, I think that that's kind of a wrap from all of us. Well, we'd like to keep continuing to talk and, and share our thoughts and bring on guest speakers. So that's it from us now, but hope to see you guys around soon. Yeah, okay, awesome. and, and this concludes our first podcast. These will come out on a monthly basis. So tune in next next month as we go into more specifics of our past trips and stuff like that, as well as check out our website, aidargentina.org. Take a look at what we've done. Um, a lot of good resources there and consider donating. Great. All yeah, right. if maybe we... If you want to know a little bit more, just reach out. Don't be afraid. All right. So till next time, take care. Stay safe. Goodbye.